Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Stay Healthy South Sound podcast, where we want to give you tips on staying healthy and even expose common myths about health and aging so you can enjoy a healthier and active life in the amazing South Sound. Brought to you by Dr. Jennifer Penrose, owner of Penrose & Associates Physical Therapy. So today I have with me Christine from Watershed Wellness, and she's an acupuncturist and a certified functional nutritional practitioner. Um, So I'm going to let her kind of take it away as to her background. So welcome in being here. Well, thank you. It's such an honor to be part of this. I'm excited to share some of my knowledge and um, to continue to contribute to healthy people in the South Sound. Yeah. And I get lots of questions all the time about acupuncture. So this will be a resource for my listeners in the South Sound and just be able to answer their questions better. So I'm excited to hear about your background and about acupuncture today. So go ahead, kind of jump in and tell us your background of training and how you even became interested in acupuncture. I actually started studying physical therapy and I, my first job ever when I was 14 was as a PT aide and I worked in our little local physical therapy firm and there was a gentleman who had a horrible accident on a horse and he came in in a wheelchair And with the guidance of the physical therapist and with my following through of his exercises, he walked out in six months. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. You can do so much with the power of exercise and just good, healthy tips. And then I wanted to know more. And that encouraged me to start to look into different schools and different programs out there. I ended up in Ohio going to the University of Toledo for physical therapy. Oh. And the University of Toledo is kind of like the armpit of America. (laughs) (laughs) There aren't really trees. um, (laughs) So there's not a lot to do for outdoor loving person like me. In the summers, I would spend in Lake Erie um, working on sailboats, helping do sailing instruction, and loved being outdoors. And then coming back to school, it was really kind of a challenge to I oh, love yeah. the I love the schooling, but there's just not a lot to do. So that led me to move out to the Pacific Northwest. I then worked at a physical therapy firm and um, continued to get my undergraduate and finally transferred to Evergreen, where I got my eyes open to natural medicine and all types of natural healing. Started to learn more about Chinese medicine and had my first acupuncture treatment, which was really interesting. It was kind of like... I was just, it's a lot, acupuncture to a lot of people is sort of unknown, a little bit of mystery. People think, oh God, needles, that sounds bad, that sounds painful. And I was really pleasantly surprised, didn't hurt. And I went for stress and help with sleep because I was a college student and it made a big difference. And I thought, wow, if I could have this modality and be able to kind of work with exercise therapy. And this could maybe be something. This could be a passion of mine. So then I went to Portland where I did my master's in Chinese medicine for four years and 
also went to China and got to study there. I saw that. Was that part of the requirement for the program or was that something you wanted to do in addition just to have a better really immersion into Chinese medicine? So it was um, an addition. There was a lovely way to continue my education after I graduated um, and get to be part of the sister school in Nanjing, China. And able to work in the hospitals underneath some of the most amazing physicians and just have such a really in-depth experience, got to be able to learn uh, really specialties about um, Chinese medicine, acupuncture, treatments, and then a lot of Chinese herbs too. Medicine over there in general, do they really work a lot more hand-in-hand, the the herbal side, natural side, acupuncture, and what we call over here more traditional medicine. Is there more integration of that there? Like, is that just a real natural thing that happens all day long everywhere? It is. It is. It's kind of amazing. So in their like big main hospitals, they have two wings. One is the traditional Chinese medicine wing, and the other is the Western or allopathic medicine. So a typical protocol is um, when a patient comes in, they always go to the traditional Chinese medicine first. And if you have an ailment, acute or chronic, you would go for 10 days in a row and have acupuncture. And after about three days, if you didn't have significant change, they also add in Chinese herbal medicine. And then after about 10 days, if you haven't had significant recovery, then they add in the allopathic Western medicine, or maybe a pharmaceutical, or maybe it's time for MRI or look for surgical intervention. So they work hand in hand, and it's always through your treatment is always, well, let's do the least invasive thing first that has the best effect. And if that doesn't work, then we'll try something that might be a little bit more invasive. What what would you see? Would you see a a lot of those patients then not have to go to a a drug intervention or a more invasive medicate, you know, more invasive procedure? Yes. So sometimes there were cases that, first of all, the first two months, I am a giant blonde American person in China (laughs) coming to work in the hospitals. And so the first two months, me walking around with my translator I was not given a lot of experience in the sense of they kind of looked at me as like, who is this lady? And after a while, things began to soften and the doctors that I was working under actually gave me the opportunity to touch a needle once or to give a little bit of insight about a herbal prescription. And um, it was such an amazing experience. It was so wonderful. We would have um, people that came in for like acute back pain or one of the things that was so prevalent was herpes zoster or shingles. And I don't know if I just got signed up with Shingle Doctor or what was going on, but like everyone seemed to be coming in for this. And that's something that Western medicine doesn't have a lot of answers for and is horrifically painful. And people really suffer from the nerve pain involved in shingles. And um, people who come in, they know as soon as you start to feel any of that pain, you definitely go see your Chinese medical practitioner 
and they do treatment right around where the rash is forming. They follow the dermatone and they have extremely 100% recovery, no pain, no lasting nerve pain in like two, three treatments. So it was pretty profound. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I remember is if you start to feel those symptoms, you go in right away and get on a prescription medication. That's what we do here in the United States. Yes. Right? Yes. Antivirals. Yes. Yes. And a second thought to that is not, oh, and by the way, you should go see your acupuncturist for this too. Yes, it's not. Interesting. But it should be. So there's right. there's two things that I find that besides all, this, all the things that we know about pain and digestive health and, of course, stress relief, two things that a lot of people don't know that Chinese medicine is so, so helpful with. One of them is shingles and the other one is Bell's palsy. Those are two things that have such positive impact and amazing recovery, full recovery, when you get acupuncture treatments really close to the onset of those happening. So I had no idea. And yeah. I've seen I've seen a couple of Bell's palsy in the in physical therapy yeah. clinic. And it's always been one of those like, what what would be best? So, all right. And it's frustrating. Those are two things yes. that a lot of people just end up suffering with. And yep. there's a lot more that we could be doing. Right. Yeah. Wow. I learned a lot already. We're <laughs> hardly into this. <laughs> okay. So you have the Chinese um, additional background and yeah. training. Yeah. Keep, keep going. Talk okay, more. So um, I, I kind of skipped over where the nutrition information started to come into my life. So one of the things um, when learning more about physical therapy, I knew that I wanted to learn more about nutrition and not just what to eat and how that affects the body. And that led me to the Nutritional Therapy Association. They actually were founded in Olympia, and they are this amazing functional nutrition program that works not just on looking at the pyramid and what the FDA guidelines are, but more about what our body does with food and what is happening just digestive system in general. What happens when you eat a piece of food? What enzymes are released? How that is introduced into the stomach? What should the stomach be doing to break that food down? How that should be appropriately introduced into the small and large intestines? And how do we get our energy from that? So those things aren't often looked at, and which is interesting. It's That's who we are. That's how we turn into good positive energy from our food. That's I feel like this should be in schools, like yes. in all the way through. Start with it very basically elementary school and get a little more complex junior high, high school of how what what you're putting in, <clears throat> what happens. Because I have a teenager right now and he has the ability to earn some money, right? And where do you think he goes with his money with his friends on his bike to the local store down the street and comes back with junk? Yeah. We don't have junk food in the house. <laughs> so part of me is just like, all right, <laughs> do I, yeah, since I've deprived him so much of sugar. Now he wants it. It's like gold out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if they understood what happens with yeah. that and really had a better understanding of food and how it's digested and what it's doing to you. We might have, I mean, they still might do it anyway, but at least they know the decisions, what they're making, how it affects them. Because I think even adults don't even completely 
understand the process. Yeah. For some reason, we have a strong disconnect with that thought of, oh, something doesn't feel good. And the first thing is not what I ate. The first thing is, oh, well, maybe I have some crazy illness and I'm probably on the way out. COVID. (laughs) COVID's coming. (laughs) I just sneezed. Oh, gosh, it's COVID. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But we want to be aware of things. We want to be knowledgeable. But it's really important. We have this The strongest medicine that we have is the food that we choose to eat. And where that food comes from is a really big, important thing about what we're choosing in our life, how to feed our family, and what kind of role models we're setting for our kids. Connecting with farmers, having, you know, a carrot that literally tastes like a carrot because it came out of the ground instead of that little weird baby carrot thing in a bag that, you know, there are no such thing as baby carrots, right? <laughs> right. Like we all, we should all know that, right? <laughs> and it doesn't have the skin on it. Well, how did, huh. how did the skin come off? How did off? that happen? And how long has that <clears throat> carrot been out of the ground? Just interesting. You know, things we should be thinking about is when talking about our health is food has such a huge impact. And we're coming up with all these different um, disorders and autoimmune, and we have more cancers now in our community and our environment than we've ever seen before. And a lot of unexplained things, fibromyalgia, and we find really nice little boxes to put these diagnoses in, which basically is like, we don't understand it, but we know you're suffering. And a lot of times it has to do with our food and how our food has been prepared and what sort of additives and chemicals have been changed in our food industry and how that's affecting our body. So you went through that train. So did you, how long was that program? Okay. That program, I'm sorry, I'm not a linear speaker. (laughs) And neither am I. (laughs) So that program was about a two year program, um, which gave me a really good foundation for understanding nutrition. And then, um, one of the nice things about practicing medicine is that we are mandated to do continuing education, which is, you know, never stop learning. I don't think anyone ever should, but we get to, we have to. Um, And so through the Institute of Functional Medicine and through the restorative medicine conferences, I have really gained so much knowledge about how the body functions and looking at how different supplements and nutrients really work with the body, different herbs, how they work with the body. And this also goes hand in hand with Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine is always trying to go towards the root of the problem. So looking at how the body functions is also looking at the root of what is causing the dysfunction. And then you ended up here in the Pacific Northwest then just because you love the outdoors. Is that really how you landed here? I did. Yeah, I was really into sailing. I used to race sailboats. And at one time I was chosen to represent Olympia in a women's only race in for, for the whole Pacific Northwest. So sailboats don't happen in Ohio very much. (laughs) So coming out here, it was just, you know, it's a wilderness wonderland and I'm a big hiker. Um, I used to do triathlons a lot and just love being outside. It's really important. Yeah. No, this is a beautiful place. It is. Yeah. Well, let's segue a little more into like what 
is acupuncture exactly and dive into some of the history here and how it works and just some tenets and philosophies and then we'll kind of break down what what some myths are that people have about it. But yeah, what what is it exactly for our listeners and break it down for them because usually when I mention or suggest acupuncture, I get the deer in the headlight look back at me and like yeah, needles? No. And I'm like, you won't feel it. And and you don't. But yeah, so go ahead and kind of dive into what it is exactly and how how it works so that our listeners kind of kind of understand it. So acupuncture in general is um, stimulating an acupuncture point that has over many, many, many years has been indicated to make a change within our body. So it is, as we know, inserting tiny millimeter stainless steel disposable one-time use needles into those points. Um, the needle itself is thinner than like a cat whisker. Um, it's not like we understand. Most needle association is our hypodermic needle that gives us an injection or has a blood draw taken. And those are big needles. Acupuncture needles could literally fit through the hole of those needles. They're so fine. So the way that acupuncture works, it's kind of, it's a little bit magic, I will admit, but we do have this whole system in our body that it's not part of the nervous system and it's not necessarily the circulatory system in the sense of with blood, it's our its own circulatory system that is changing and moving chi, which is our energy. We all know that we are energy, that we're just a bunch of carbon molecules bouncing around, and that what acupuncture does is with your practitioner, listening to you and understanding exactly why you're feeling the way you're feeling, we can take that information and decide what particular acupuncture points will be the most beneficial for you and to make a change and make a change of how that energy is flowing. For example, if you're in back pain, a lot of times the channels that are going up and down your spine are, there's some sort of stagnation. There's some sort of blockage. Um, there could be injury. There could be a contusion right in that area. So acupuncture, what it will do is not necessarily putting needles right where it hurts. It's using another system. A lot of microsystems are involved and in helping to open up those channels, loosen those muscles and allow blood and chi and lymph to flow more freely, which then stops the pain which is pretty profound. I think that helps explain it. Yeah. <laughs> it's still one of those where people are just like, I don't get this. <laughs> yeah. Well, the nice thing about it is that um, some of my most favorite patients are the ones who were typically, it's a man who comes in because their wife said they had to. And after a few minutes of us talking, they say, you know, you seem really nice, but I want to let you know ahead of time, I don't believe in this. <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh a little and I say, that's great because it works whether you believe or not. <laughs> so let's give it a try. And they're the ones that claim they're like claim to fame and say, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. So that's pretty fun. I remember when I was in PT school doing a rotation in the hospital and it was an amputee patient and we could not 
that individual was in so much pain with their residual limb and they, we could not get them mobile. I mean, just even basic mobility. And so they scheduled an acupuncture session the next day. It was a nurse who got certified in acupuncture and she did it in the hospital and I got to watch it and then do the therapy with the patient right after it was absolutely stunning. Wow. And pretty much after that, I was like, okay, everybody needs acupuncture. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really amazing to see that in the hospital being used as an option instead of more painkillers. Yeah. yeah. Because this person was on painkillers. Mm-hmm. I mean, this limb had just been taken off. Yeah. Um, and it was, you could tell it was swollen. It was red. I mean, it was, it definitely was a very fresh wound. It's going to hurt. But we could not get this person moving. And so all those pain medications were not, were not working and acupuncture worked and we were doing everything the next day. Yeah. I mean, it was just absolutely stunning. So that's where I sort of fell in love with acupuncture. I was just like, I don't understand this. And she tried to explain it as best she could, but still it was one of those, like, there's something mysterious about this, but it was very, it worked. Yeah. And I couldn't believe all the meds did nothing. Yeah. That's a perfect example of how the mind-body connection is addressed so well with Chinese medicine. And, you know, your patient, yes, they probably had pain from the incision site, but the limb was gone. Why are they having phantom pain in a limb that's gone? And so acupuncture is so useful for connecting the brain with the body and resetting kind of that circuit and saying, you know what, you're okay. This is your new normal. This does not hurt you. And changing those pain receptors in the brain with that constant thought of, oh, my leg hurts, my leg hurts, my leg hurts. And it's, nope, you're fine. Let's reprogram that. Let's put a little pin in that area and recirculate the energy and recirculate your nervous system so it has a new connection. Yeah, because I'd say another group of people that's hard for me to treat sometimes is when someone's had chronic pain, right? And And I test left, right discrimination on an app to show like the brain is actually changing. That's the first thing that happens with chronic pain is that they can't tell the difference between left and right. So you test it on this, this app through a pain neuroscience perspective and they can't, they're not accurate. They can't, their brain has confused left and right and they can't do it fast enough. So you're looking at speed and accuracy. And so then I know I'm dealing with some reset patterns that have happened in the brain, but those people would also be an acupuncture appropriate person to try to even spur that along a little quicker. Yeah, the difference between how we treat like acute pain versus chronic pain with Chinese medicine is if you are in acute pain, hey, I was mowing the lawn, all of a sudden I have a back spasm, you come right in, typical response would you'll have at least 80% decrease of pain within one visit. And maybe we'll do a little help with some KT tape or something to support that to make sure that you're not still vulnerable. Um, Chronic pain is really different. So with a lot of things, the sooner you come for acupuncture treatment to the original attack, the better, quicker results you're going to get. 
Chronic pain is something that is managed really well with acupuncture and has um, been able to help people get off of their opioids and other pain medications and find a more natural way to um, manage all the pain. Sometimes we have significant decrease of total pain that goes away completely. And sometimes it's been there for years. It can take years to completely go away and have a full recovery. Right. And I would imagine with those people, they need kind of a multidisciplinary team, right? So there's the acupuncture piece, then there's looking at sleep habits and stress yes. and eating and physical exercise and yes. how, how do I push myself but not cause a flare? And it's, it's almost like that's a all of those people I pretty much ask, okay, who is overseeing your team? Who yes. all, you need to be, you can, coming to physical therapy, I can't fix this problem alone, but I'm, I'll partner with you. And who else are you partnering with? Because it's, it's too big. Mm -hmm. It's not like, yeah, just PT is going to fix no this. There's no one quick fix. We need a whole team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think in the United States, I just don't know that we do a very good job of having that team. Yeah. Everyone's in their own silo. Yeah, we've all we've had such a we had such a big change when medicine became from your little local general practitioner to the specialized medicine, which has amazing need. I mean, I want to go to that cardiologist specialist when my yes. little valve's not working. Yes. But when it comes to dealing with chronic pain uh, or chronic illness or even, you know, digestive disorders that have become very complicated, we need to create a medical team that's going to address mental, physical, everything about what's going on in your body and how we can all change it. And most likely one person is not going to do all those answers for you. And it's important that we embrace each other and create a team. Like with uh, patients that I work with that have cancer and are going through chemo, I love contacting their oncologist. And a lot of times they're shocked and surprised to hear from me. And I say, well, I, I think that we should all be on the same page. I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to go against you in any way. And it's not my way or your way. It's our way. And our goal is to make sure that that patient gets better. And so together we're stronger. I find myself reaching out to you just so that everything is communicated well. And I think the patient feels like that gives them hope that everyone is for them and advocating together. So let's talk a little bit more about some common misconceptions. Um, we talked a little bit how people get really scared about the needles, but are there other things that you find that you have to keep educating people about and you keep circling back to some of the same themes? <laughs> so pain. Pain's a really good example. So when our body is in pain, it's kind of like a, there's a stream that's happening in our body and the, the pain messages are constantly going along that stream. What acupuncture does is it literally places a big rock, or in this case, a small needle, to divert that stream and to create a new pathway that is a pain-free pathway. And so what happens is you come in, we place that rock or needle and divert the stream, but eventually you go back to your old ways. You go back to work, you keep lifting, you go back to the desk, you keep looking down, it comes back. And it's not that the acupuncture didn't work, it's just that our bodies are so used to that big stream happening in one way that it's not as responsive to that diversion until we 
readdress and tell that message over again and over again. And eventually it says, okay, I can do this on my own. I got it now. And that's when we develop pain-free, completely 100% remission of all those symptoms that you came in originally for. So sometimes it can take a few treatments. Uh, typical treatment is three to 10 visits to address one common problem. When is it where you're like, okay, this is this is not the answer, right? Like there, at some point, if how do you make those decisions? Yeah, there's times when sometimes within the first three visits, I can figure out that this is not enough and we need to implement another person like we are talking in your team. And, we, you know, the acupuncture is not going to help you move appropriately. And so you need to bring in our physical therapist. We need to bring in an occupational therapist to make sure at work you're doing this changes. Um and sometimes just adding more in at the beginning. But then there's a time when after, you know, 10 or so visits um, and there hasn't been any significant change at all, um, that's the time when it says, okay, I think we need to look at other resources. I think we need to, I need to refer you to a pain specialist and maybe pain meds are something we need to add on board to calm things down for a while. And then maybe you'll be more receptive to acupuncture or you know, once in a while, it's not going to address that particular problem. But a long time along the way, the patients come back to me and say, well, I, I came in because I have horrible pain in my toe joint and I it does I can't even walk. And that's gotten a tiny little bit better, but I am sleeping better. I have better digestion. I am not yelling at my husband anymore. And I don't know why, but he doesn't bother me. <laughs> and so, and my stress just seems to be much better. So it's a holistic medicine and working with the whole body and trying to put you back into balance. And once we're in balance, we'll find that homeostasis. So even if that particular inflammation in the toe has not significantly gone away, the quality of life has improved. And a lot of other things are being addressed within our treatments, not just that particular stubborn pain. Patients will ask me sometimes, well, how many sessions do you think it'll take? And I said, well, that I'm not an acupuncturist, but I don't think it's something that they're going to just keep on keeping on if you're not showing some progress. She'll, you know, they'll be able to tell you if you need to have anything else. I said, but you've tried this, 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 you know, give it, give it some thought. Cause I yeah. think a lot of my patients have to kind of stew on this for a bit. Yeah. And now that I'll have this podcast, I'll be able to say, listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else that you would like to talk about for, you know, just to, to educate the community about acupuncture, or do you want to describe any kind of how to prepare for a typical visit? So um, one of the things that I think that people most commonly think about acupuncture and Chinese medicine is pain. Um, the other secondary thing is probably for stress, anxiety. Um, but it, there's a whole world of things that the that acupuncture can really be helpful with. One of my personal specialties is I love to work and help people with digestion. And I like to make sure that we are addressing that the food that you're eating is making you thrive and feeling great and that even if you are not showing really flaring symptoms of inflammation that we are looking and addressing and finding those little little signs that your body is telling us 
oh, it's not very happy. And down the road, this is going to cause some trouble. We want to prevent leaky gut. We want to make sure that your immune system is intact. We want to make sure that your digestive system is absorbing all the nutrients it can from your healthy, nutritious food. You could have this perfect diet. And if you can't break it down, if you can't digest those foods, then you're not getting half the nutrients that you should. So learning that acupuncture can work wonderfully for helping with regulating digestion, improve absorbability, helping with um, making, helping with chronic fatigue, addressing some of the stress and anxiety that can actually prevent you from absorbing your food. So if you're constantly in that state of fight or flight, and if you're not triggering that parasympathetic nervous system, that rest and digest nervous system, then your body is not getting the quiet time it needs to think, okay, I'm sitting down, I'm producing amylase and breaking down those enzymes in the saliva, then it's introduced into my stomach and I'm breaking it down. It's not getting that time to do that full process. So calming the nervous system um, and allowing your body time to digest your food is really big. Our society before COVID, we ran at a pretty fast pace. If anything, this has kind of caused a lot of people to really slow down yet they could get really anxious over the situation. But it is one of those, when you do take the time to slow down, you do, I feel better when I take time to just calm down and just... Take time, have a meal with your family. That's like one of the biggest things that we can do to have a good sense of family is to sit down, look at each other, put your phone away, put the laptop away. And it doesn't necessarily matter what you're eating at that moment, but you're all looking at each other, even if you're mad at each other, just (laughs) you're sharing a meal. And those make huge impact and huge, wonderful, positive memories for the whole family. We talked about acute pain versus chronic pain a little bit. Um, Oh, yeah. You wanted to know what a typical visit would be like. Yes. Yes. So... um, A typical experience coming to my personal clinic would be um, it's going to take you about an hour of your time. Um, Come in with comfortable clothes. I always have shorts or a gown for you to wear, but if you have like yoga pants or something that will push up that That'll be great. You're not going to get naked most of the time. <laughs> that is always a question, right? <laughs> Do I need to take my shirt off? <laughs> yes. And so I've had a lot of people confused about that. And I walk in, oh, okay, okay. Because it's not necessarily like, it's not like a massage or body work that you might be typically used to experience. It's a little bit closer to like chiropractic or physical therapy with what you would wear. And um, so you would come in preferably not just with a whole bunch of caffeine, um, Um, but (laughs) because our goal is to let you rest, um, we'll talk for a while. The reason why acupuncture and Chinese medicine work so well is because I take the time to listen and every patient will tell you exactly what's wrong with them. But a lot of times your physicians or practitioners don't hear it because we don't take the time to listen. And it's not necessarily they're going to literally say, I have GERD or I have leaky gut. They're going to tell you exactly what's going on. And if you listen enough, you can understand, oh, 
that makes sense. That's why you're having the inflammation. You can put it together. I also use um, palpation on your abdominal to see if um, there's tenderness in certain areas, um, which is a Japanese diagnosis to understand a little bit more about the body. I take your pulse on, on both sides and not necessarily looking at beats per minute. It's looking at all of the organs and how they're interacting with each other. And if one is working a little faster than the other, then we want to create that balance. Um, we also use your tongue, which is funny. In most cultures, sticking your tongue out at people is not very nice. My <laughs> two-year-old does it, and it's not very nice when she does it. <laughs> but in my practice, I really want you to stick your tongue out at me, and it tells me a lot about your whole body. It mirrors the digestive system. When you're in a lot of pain, your tongue will be kind of purplish. Um, when you're having a little bit trouble with detoxification, the liver um, shows a little bit of orange or yellow on the sides. If you're having trouble with a lot of insomnia, the tip of your tongue will be really red. So there's a lot of little nuances that the body shows you. It's just learning how to listen and how to interpret those into understanding what your personal prescription for acupuncture would be and how we can change that and create balance in your body. So after those sort of information intake is done, you'll lay down on a really comfortable bed, nice and warm. When you're ready, I'll explain to you about the needles. I can show you what they look like, or some people don't want to see it, and they <laughs> say, just do it. <laughs> And after you've had your first one, you realize you'll take, most people take a deep breath and they go say, oh, but that was it. Oh, okay. And, but if nothing should be painful, acupuncture is not one of those stronger, the better type modalities. So if you feel uncomfortable, something is not setting right, or it's just bothering you, or it has a presence that is keeping your mind on it, then we readjust it. So we put in the acupuncture points, a lot of times five to 10 points, but everyone's different because everyone's treatment's different. Um, and then we make sure you're very comfortable. There's nice quiet music. We dim the lights and you have a little magic call button just in case you need anything. And um, I let you rest for about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how long your personal prescription would benefit from the retention. And then after that, I come back in, take the needles out and you're on your way. Yeah. I was surprised at how relaxed I was afterwards. It was like, oh, I really don't shut my nervous system down enough. <laughs> it was it was very, very nice. It was very, very pleasant. But I think that was what I, I think we're so used to running in and out of appointments with providers. Yeah. And to have that whole time to really to relax and let the um, acupuncture needles. I mean, I didn't feel anything mm -hmm. at all. And then to leave completely relaxed, it was a. It was, it was wonderful. So it was one of, it's, you know, so now I'm able to tell people like, I've had it done. Yes. And let me tell you First how hand. it works. <laughs> so I think that was a surprise because I think we are really conditioned to like running in and out of offices. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting like, okay, like she's just going to let me sit in this room and the <laughs> lights are dim and the music is soft and I can just totally let go. Relax. Yeah. Yeah. It was... 
it's not often, I mean, as adults, we're not supposed to take naps. If anything, you should be more productive, you know? (laughs) So to allow that opportunity for your body just to relax. And that's that's a big thing. Having most modalities, they are so beneficial, but they're still stimulating. And you're having your practitioner, whether it's chiropractic, massage, physical therapy, you're they're there, they're interacting with you, they're showing you positive ways to change. Acupuncture, um, basically, I am the assistant of my patient. They tell me information, and I translate that into what a prescription would be, and I put in my points, and I let the body do it and give you a chance to trigger that parasympathetic nervous system to not have someone constantly stimulating everything and just let the chi flow, let your body completely relax. That alone is something that could help almost everyone. If we could just have most of our world leaders have one acupuncture treatment a month, (laughs) I think we might be living in a different world. (laughs) A little less stress. A little less stress. A little less fight or flight on them. Yeah. Okay. So we are going to take a little break and hear from our sponsor. As a listener to the Stay Healthy South Sound podcast, we are doing free virtual stretching classes in May and June on Tuesdays from 3 to 4 p.m. Email us at info at penrosept.com for registration information. And now back to the show. Okay. So we are back from our break and we are going to go into part three, which is a little bit more on nutrition and immune support, because I think many people with COVID-19 are a little more aware of trying to boost their immune system. And since you have a lot of background in that with acupuncture and the Chinese medicine and just how they do things a little differently, I think it'll be great for you to talk about what can people do right now at home to boost their immunity? Because I'm sure everyone's sort of like, okay, I'm going to take more zinc. I'm going to take more vitamin C. Like, go ahead and kind of expand on that a little bit. Yes. So this is a very unique time that we're all going through. And um, we all want to know what we can do at home. How can we keep ourselves healthy? How can we prevent the spread of this virus? And um, one of the things that we look at is how this virus is functioning. And um, one of the things is that the way it's attacking our body and the symptoms that we're seeing show us a little bit about what would be more beneficial in preventing it. Um, One of the things that happens with COVID is you lose your sense of smell and your sense of taste. And that is something that's really commonly seen when people have a deficiency in zinc. And we all know zinc is one of our household names about um, what is helpful for our immune system. It's one of our go-tos, but it's now showing to be even one of the bigger players for helping prevent the spread of this particular virus. So a zinc supplement is a, a nice idea, but also there's a lot of foods in your own kitchen that can increase your level of zinc and um, help boost your natural immunity. 
the biggest one is oysters. <laughs> so it is oyster season. And there are, we live in this beautiful community that has such amazing abundance. We are, you know, we ship them all over the world. So go get your hamahamas and your Chelsea gems and eat some delicious oysters. Um, the other thing is cashews are really high in zinc. Um, and then some of the legumes, especially kidney beans, are really high Um that said, in general, people are going towards comfort food right now. And a lot of pasta, a lot of mac and cheese, a lot of pizza. We're trying to like understand, you know, how do we be the everything at home and how is our home a full service restaurant and an office and a school? <laughs> and that's a lot. <laughs> so we want to find easy ways to make sure that the family is, is getting a little bit less of the convenience comfort foods and a little bit more of easy, simple to prepare, not cooking everyday foods. So having a bunch of cut vegetables in the in the fridge done and easy to grab and go. Yes, it's fine. Give the kids ranch to dip it in if that's the only way it's going to come. Um, but having some of your proteins already prepped, cook some, you know, if you're cooking chicken, cook a bunch of it. If you're going to make some healthy breakfasts for people in the morning, that's, um, you know, make a big egg casserole so everyone could have a little bit. So try to have a little bit more home-cooked good food, and that in general will help your immune system. One of the other nutrients that we've seen has a huge impact is um, NAC, which is N-acetyl-L-cysteine. Um, and that's one of the ones that's the most protective for our lungs, um, and, it, and it has a great um kind of an antiviral property to boost your immune system and make sure that your lungs are a little bit stronger. The biggest thing I think we can all do is help manage stress. There's a lot going on. There's a lot that we're demanded. Turn the news on for one second and you're inundated with drama and fear. Um, so we want to make sure that we're you're filtering some of that information and finding a way to create a new sense of calm within this chaos. Whether it's scheduled walks with your family on sunny days, whether it's um, taking a few minutes to yourself, and sometimes that much might be me locking myself in the bathroom because my toddler <laughs> won't leave me alone, <laughs> but finding a few minutes of space, um, doing a self-meditation, listening to a beautiful song that gives you that sense of calm, and kind of doing things in a repetitive way gives yourself a little bit of a schedule gives yourself that repetitive calm and triggering of that parasympathetic nervous system that can help with the fear, the anxiety that really is negative on our immune system. Yeah. Stress like steals. You could be eating well and exercising, but then if you really kind of get fearful, anxious, stressed, it almost kind of negates the benefits of what you've been trying to accomplish. Yeah. And sleep is a big part of that. Yes. Yeah. Before we segue into sleep, I do want to back up on the the knack. Yes. Where, so is that in foods or is that something you have to get from something? The best way is to have that in supplement form. Um, and when it comes to supplements, we do want to be a little bit careful about um, 
where you're getting things from and what's in it. Um, looking at that other ingredients on the bottom of your label is a great way to tell if this is going to be a high quality, good, effective product, or if this is going to be a product full of fillers and sometimes inflammatory ingredients. So it's um, something that can be um, commonly found in most supplement stores, but just be careful about what's in it. The doses that I have people taking is around 600 milligrams. Um, if they have any symptoms, asthma or potentially exposure to the COVID, I think um, taking that 600 milligrams almost three times a day is going to be a little bit more effective for you. And if they see on their other ingredient, like, is it soybean? Yeah. Oils, fillers. Particularly for like vitamin D and things like that that are sometimes in oil. Um, you want to be careful about soybean oil, cottonseed oil. Those are not something that should be in our food, much less in our supplement. The other thing is if there's a lot of ingredients that sound like a chemical chemical experiment, that's not something that your body is going to be able to identify and utilize. Um, magnesium stearate, all these different fillers. A lot of times tablets, um, creating a tablet is like making muffins. So if when you're trying to make a muffin, you always want it to not stick to that little muffin pan. Same thing with making tablets. They have to put a lot of releasants on the tablets in order for them to come out easy. Those releasants also make it so they're less absorbable for us. So generally, rule of thumb, capsules can be a little bit more absorbable than tablets. But that said, you got to look, you got to read the ingredients and more is not always better. If you have any doubt, seek someone who has knowledge and can guide you through this process. Not necessarily everything is going to be great in the supplement store at the dollar store or your grocery store. You want to have something that's really specific to what you need. Anything else in terms of things that they should do to help with immune system. And then we can segue to some stress too. Yeah. We talked a little bit about how just going back to eating real food um, and making sure that you're having as many vegetables, as much color. We're, one of the things that's lovely is that this is attacking us during our beautiful garden season. So we can be growing some of our food. The farmer's market is open. And so we do have access to gorgeous, wonderful vegetables that we can be incorporating and enjoying a little bit more in our diet. Citrus, of course, great with vitamin C. Um, I think just lowering the amount of sugar that we're putting in our body. Sugar is always going to lower your immune system, but bigger than that, it actually feeds virus and bacteria. So the more sugar you're eating, you're basically giving the virus uh, some food. So if you want to prevent it, try and limit the amount of sugar that's in your whole family's intake. Yeah. And then we were going to talk a little bit more about stress. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a stressful time as we touched on. Um, stress is one of the biggest players of, like you said, robbing your body of your immunity. So you can be doing all the A, Y, and Z of exercise and diet, but it's not going to help you if you're really having so much stress. Um, 
Of course, acupuncture is one of the best ways to passively decrease stress without you having to do anything. You can just simply receive treatment and change your nervous system. Um, but a lot of times we need to find more of a daily routine that's going to make an impact. Um, finding that time to find what you enjoy. This um, whole pandemic has shut us down. And there are some positives that are coming out of this. We have been forced to slow down and we are forced to kind of, we can't go to the gym anymore. So we can take a walk and we can go outside and we might actually meet our neighbors and don't get closer than six feet, but you can <laughs> <laughs> at least wave and go, you can huh. say, Hey, Oh, Hey, I didn't know you had kids. Wow. So it's kind of a nice time to take advantage of a little bit of the slower pace of life and focusing a little bit more on what you do enjoy. And before this all starts again, what we really want to bring back and how we can continue some of these slower paces in our daily life and how stress is affecting us and how we can manage our work life and home life in a little bit better way by taking care of yourself first. And then stress can really, at least for me and many, I'm sure, falling asleep, like like getting into some of the sleep aspect, like either falling asleep or staying asleep. Yeah. So those are two really different things. Um, falling asleep generally has a lot to do with stress, has a lot to do with not being able to kind of like shut our mind down. We feel like that's the quiet time is when the mind gets a little busy and we can kind of try and solve the world's problems right before bed. Some of the first things we do um, to help with sleep is just double check your environment, create a routine, make sure that you're not exposing your eyes to some of the blue lights that we get from our phones, from our tablets, even from our alarm clocks, making sure that your room is a really dark environment. Checking temperature, making sure that you don't get too hot at night, too cold at night. Try and create this lovely environment that you embrace going to sleep. You love your room. Um, and having kind of a bedtime is important. One of the things about Chinese medicine is there is a circadian clock that we look at. And each hour corresponds with a different organ where your body is spending its energy healing and repairing from the day. And so if we are staying up so late that we are not getting, say, we're not asleep by 11, then for example, our liver is not getting that time that our body is focusing on healing, rejuvenated, repairing that liver. So you're going to end up having a little more stress, a little more anxiety, a little bit more run down. So getting to bed, ideally asleep before 10 is a really good goal for everyone. Um, and so having that, creating that routine, trying to have, um, Sometimes there are some supplements and herbs that are really helpful for calming the nervous system, especially falling asleep. Some of my favorites are like valerian and passionflower, a little magnesium to help with any muscle pain and has a real nice calming effect. Those can be really helpful when it comes to not staying asleep. Now that can have a whole different number of factors. 
One of the ones you want to make sure that we're addressing is blood sugar. Blood sugar handling can be presented in a perfectly healthy someone who doesn't show signs of diabetes, um, and they can have hypoglycemic attacks or low blood sugar in the middle of the night, and that will wake them up. And then uh, your body can be up and adrenaline gets triggered and very difficult to fall asleep. So one remedy for that is to try um, a little bit of whole fat dairy before bed. Two tablespoons of cottage cheese, whole milk, organic, um, yogurt, whole milk, or yogurt. So that whole thing of a warm glass of milk before bed, there was a little, there was a little bit of good thought about that. That is the proteins in the milk and a little bit of the fat in the milk. Keep your blood sugar, it's a slow release casein is, and so it will keep your blood sugar really stable through the night. Just don't put honey on your yogurt. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. So a little bit of whole milk, whole fat dairy is a first, a great thing to try if you're waking up in the middle of the night. Um, if someone doesn't tolerate dairy, then what's their alternative? You could just have some fat. Yeah. So you could do some peanut butter, a tablespoon of peanut butter. You could do um, a little bit of, you could just have some avocado would be great. If you... Um, you can try to have it with a little bit of carbs. Um, so you could do it on a little bit of gluten-free or whole grain bread or something like that and see if that keeps you staying asleep longer. And that will be a way to diagnose, oh, it is blood sugar. The other thing is um, the stress hormone cortisol. Cortisol is... Um, supposed to be something that is almost undetectable at night and goes down really far and um, should go up nicely in the morning and wake you up and feel alert and ready to start your day. A lot of times with chronic stress, the cortisol levels sort of flip-flop and you'll have high cortisol at night and low cortisol in the morning. For example, waking up often at night and really difficult to wake up in the morning and feeling really lethargic. And then after three cups of coffee, you're kind of ready to go. <laughs> so <laughs> that is a pattern that we need to address on helping to bind to the cortisol and helping to change it so it's higher in the morning and lower at night. Cortisol also will trigger adrenaline. So if you have high cortisol at night and all of a sudden you get a little warm or you roll over and your back hurts, instead of just kind of falling right back asleep, your body will trigger adrenaline and you'll be wide awake and stay awake and have a really difficult time going back to sleep. So addressing the root of the problem would be helping to balance the cortisol. Once again, those can be helping to manage stress better. So doing some of our self-care, having your acupuncture treatment, doing regular massage, having a good healthy diet during the day, kind of taking a little bit of a news fast right now and letting your body understand what are the tri triggers of stress and try and allow yourself not to have so much overexposure of what's happening, what's going on. But acupuncture can help with that as well, it sounds yes, like. Yes, a lot. So acupuncture can rebalance a lot of your hormones and reset that nervous system that has kind of, for lack of better words, been confused. And so kind of rebalance everything and reset it and allow those cortisol levels to kind of lower help with most of the hormone levels. And if acupuncture alone doesn't work, there are 
really great options that can be a secondary support with a supplement or something. Okay. Well, let's let's um, talk about how people can get in touch with you. Okay. Well, we have just moved to this beautiful garden front location in Tumwater. And so our new address is 344 Cleveland Avenue. And so that's right in Tumwater, um, kind of by the Tumwater Safeway. It's a beautiful little complex. You have some dentists over here, chiropractor. I mean, there's a it's a medical professional kind of set building, yes. so it's easy to find. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're really happy to be here. It's exciting. You have a website? We do. Our website is www.watershedwellnesscenter.com. And our phone number is 360-350-0773. You're opening again in... We are opening with our new COVID protocols on June 1st. So I'll be smiling under my mask and excited to see you. (laughs) (laughs) And in the meantime, people can call and... Yes, we are also offering um, telehealth appointments. So um, we can schedule that at any time. And that's through Zoom. We sit and talk and do a nutritional consult. And then I give you three acupressure um, points to do self-care. And then I can prescribe anything that you need at the time. Okay. So so, some way to get started if someone really is like, I I need something to get going. Yes. And then hopefully in June they can come on in. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Do you have any other social media platforms that you're on? We do. We are Facebook, Instagram. um, And so follow us and find us. And we're always posting different things about what's going on and what's changing and a little bit of health information on there as well. So our rapid fire questions that we always kind of like to wrap up with, um, what is something in the Pacific Northwest that you've not done yet that is on your bucket list? I have never been to Alaska and I would Ah. love to go. Yes. yes, it is gorgeous. Yeah, it absolutely. It's my husband's from there. So, oh, fun. Yeah, it's beautiful. Summertime's the best time to go. Okay. June. Yeah. What about the mosquito bugs? The They're not so bad birds. in June. No, they're okay. not so bad, really. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm a Minnesota girl and the mosquitoes are bad there. Um, what is your favorite restaurant locally that you will be able to go to hopefully soon? Yes, right. <laughs> Um, I have to say that's a twofold. I my favorite restaurant is Chelsea's Oyster Bar um, in the two 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 building. But then, if you're gonna look for a view, Bud Bay Cafe on the deck in the summer, you can't beat that. Yeah. So I can't wait to go. Right now they're doing takeout though. So good. Mother's yeah. Day I got Chelsea's a little bit. <laughs> it Yay! was great. Mm-hmm. What's your number one advice for people to remain active, healthy, pain free? What's kind of, if you had to boil it down to like, all right, if I had to tell someone one thing, what would it be? I would say prioritize self-care. So you're only as strong on your weakest day. So make sure that you are not giving everything out to everyone else. Make sure that you keep yourself strong and then you'll be better for everyone else. Yeah. It's kind of like the analogy on the airplane. Put your own oxygen mask on first first before assisting others. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. It's been wonderful. It's been great. I learned a lot. (laughs) As I learn from you as well. We always are learning. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Stay Healthy South Sound podcast, brought to you by Penrose & Associates Physical Therapy. 
If you want some free tips to implement right away on various problems like knee pain, back pain, running injuries, and many more issues, then jump on over to PenrosePT.com and download the free report that fits your needs. You will receive helpful tips right away and have the choice to email in for further questions and set up a free phone consultation. You can reach us at 360-456-1444 and info at PenrosePT.com. You can stay connected with us at StayHealthySouthSound.com and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Stay Healthy South Sound podcast.